Chapter Thirteen of Grandpa in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. Tatters receives the reward. Prince Tatters had little time to think of either the ship or the fortune, for after a short march over the snow. Chinchilly stepped across a small neck of land, and the little army found themselves on a great block of ice, only connected with the island itself by the narrow strip on which they had crossed. A messenger had already been dispatched for the princess, and, standing first on one foot, then on the other, Tatters impatiently awaited her approach. Bertha, remembering Chinchilly's distaste for flowers, kept perfectly still, holding fast to Tatters' coat-tails and peering anxiously in the direction the messenger had taken. "'Just like the old days,' boasted Grandpa, stamping up and down to keep warm. But when a moment later the Princess of Isoposo actually appeared, the old soldier nearly fell from under his hat. Yes, really, for the Princess was a maiden of ice and, wrapped in her robes of snow, she stared at the Prince of Ragbad so frigidly and with such cold and dreadful disdain that a chill ran down his spine and icicles formed on his lashes. M "'My boy,' stuttered Grandpa, rushing over to his side, "'I'm afraid we've been a bit hasty. Uh, let us consider this matter a little further.' "'None of that!' fumed Chinchilly, bustling forward hastily. "'None of that my word is my word. I insist upon keeping it.' "'We'll take your word if you'll keep your daughter,' began Grandpa quickly. But advancing with mincing little steps, the icy princess held out her hand. Her nose was so long and sharp that it made Tatters squint, but before he could make any objection she seized his hand in her cold clasp. At the same moment all the snowmen except Chinchilly sprang back across the little neck of land. "'Run!' panted Grandpa, tucking Tatters by the coat. "'Run!' gasped Ertha. But before Tatters could run, there was a blinding flash. Chinchilly had raised his sword, snapped off his daughter's hand, and, seizing her by the other one, he dragged her back across the strip of land. Then, before a body could wink, the snowmen with their sharp axes chopped away the connecting link, leaving Grandpa and his company marooned on the desolate iceberg. You have my daughter's hand, <laughs> but she's already grown another, shouted Chinchilly maliciously. And so she had. The little party on the ice could plainly see that for themselves. You have my daughter's hand, and that is your half of the kingdom, shrieked the wretched old Snow King, nearly bending double at his own joke. "'Half the kingdom in the princess's hand!' snorted the old soldier in a fury. "'I'll snap off his whiskers. I'll pound him to snowflakes!' Gathering himself together, Grandpa prepared to jump back to Isoposo. But Tatters, flinging the hand of the princess as far as he could, seized Grandpa around the waist. 
and it is well that he did, for already there was a great stretch of tumbling waters between the iceberg and the island. "'He has no more honor than a swordfish,' spluttered Grandpa, breaking away from the prince. "'I've never been so insulted in my life.' "'Where is the golden ship?' demanded an indignant voice. "'Where are the diamonds? What have you done with the princess?' Dropping with a thud that sent a shower of ice splinters into the air, the weathercock planted himself before Grandpa. He had been looking all over Isoposo for Chinchilli, and had arrived just in time to see his friends sailing off on the iceberg. "'Oh, Bill!' cried Ertha, giving the iron bird an impulsive hug. "'I thought you were lost.' "'Where is the golden ship?' "'Where are the diamonds?' insisted the weathercock, slipping out of Eartha's embrace. "'Oh, go crack yourself some icicles,' muttered the old soldier crossly. He did not like to be reminded of his cheerful prophecy. "'Go crack yourself some icicles, Bill. That's all the diamonds you'll get.' "'There isn't any ship, nor any diamonds, nor "'Anything,' said Tatters, wrapping the skin of the old threadbare more tightly about him, and staring drearily over the tossing waters of the Nonestic Ocean. "'But you don't have to marry the princess,' Eartha reminded him softly. "'And even if this isn't a golden ship, couldn't we dance and be happy?' "'Well, if we don't dance, we'll freeze,' fumed Grandpa, beginning to stamp up and down. "'We'll freeze anyway,' he predicted gloomily. "'Look pleasant, my boy. We might as well freeze as attractively as possible. They'll carve us a monument on a block of ice, no doubt, frozen in the line of duty.' Tatters coughed plaintively and began to tramp sadly up and down after Grandpa. "'Don't freeze,' begged the little flower fairy, clasping her hands in distress and keeping step with the downhearted adventurers. "'Why, where's that funny bottle?' she asked suddenly. "'The medicine! What have you done with the wizard's medicine?' crowed the weathercock, flapping his wings. Now so much had happened to the old soldier since the eruption that he had entirely forgotten Gorba's cure for everything. But— at Eartha's words, he snatched it out, and there, listed under colds, chills, frostbites, and exposure, Grandpa found a remedy for their troubles. "'You've saved our lives, my dear,' sighed the old soldier, measuring out four drops for tatters on a spoonful of snow. And everything was better after that, for as soon as Grandpa and the Prince swallowed the marvelous mixture, they began to tingle with warmth and even an iceberg could not long be cheerless with a little fairy like Eartha aboard. Everywhere she stepped, gay posies blossomed, and soon there were circles and circles of them bobbing in the bright sunshine. Eartha and Bill did not feel the cold, and as Grandpa and Tatters were now frostproof, their whole outlook changed. The huge iceberg was sliding along through the choppy waves at high speed, and the sensation was not only pleasant, but highly exhilarating. "'Which way are we going?' asked the old soldier, sitting down recklessly on a cake of ice. "'East!' announced the weathercock, after twirling around three times like a top. 
That's good, sighed Grandpa, for east of us lies Oz, and the nearer we come to Oz, the further we get from Isoposo. I never want to see it again, and if that is a sample of your princesses, I'll be like you, Grandpa, and never marry, said the prince, taking a seat beside the old soldier. I think myself that if we can find my father's head, we'd better just go home anyway. We could work hard in the gingham gardens, raise bigger crops, and—' "'And I'll help you,' smiled Eartha, drifting about over the ice like an old-fashioned bouquet, and filling the frosty air with a lovely fragrance. "'But the fortune!' objected Bill, staring at the prince in horror. "'We have to find the fortune!' "'That's right,' agreed the old soldier, remembering Mrs. So-and-so's words about refurnishing the castle. "'We mustn't give up yet, just because we've bumped into some odd and chilly places. "'Just wait. There are lots of princesses in Oz, and fortunes, too.' "'Well, I prefer fairies,' sighed Tatters with a smile at Eartha. "'Look!' cried the little flower-girl delightedly. Let's pretend this is a silver ship, and there, as a spray of crystal drops dashed over the side of the iceberg, there are the diamonds. Let's dance. She looked so coaxing and so cunning that Tatters sprang up impulsively, and the two went skipping, sliding, and twirling all over the ice until they were dancing on a perfect carpet of flowers. Teach her the rag-bag quadrille called Grandpa. If we're going back with the fortune, there'll be high old times in the Red Castle, and Eartha will want to know the dances the same as the other girls. Wait, I'll play it for you. Seizing his drumsticks, the old soldier broke into the spirited measures of the rag-bag quadrille, and soon Tatters and Eartha were bowing and gliding, turning three times to the left and four to the right, pretending to change partners with a dozen imaginary courtiers, all troubles and dangers forgotten. "'This reminds me of old times,' said Grandpa, stopping at last from lack of breath. "'And you'll never be a wallflower, my dear,' chuckled the old soldier, wagging his finger at the little fairy. "'Let's play scrum,' proposed Tatters, who was perfectly breathless, too. "'Oh, let's!' cried Eartha. So Grandpa obligingly unfastened his game leg, and the prince and little flower girl were soon deep in the mysteries of the queer old game of scrum. Bill keeping score on the ice, and the old soldier with half-closed eyes, thinking of the good old days when he was a lad and a hero to all the pretty girls in Ragbad. First peaceful moment we've had since we left the old country, mused Grandpa, and, reaching down, he picked up his pipe and tobacco. Tatters had removed them from the game leg before they started to play. Absently, Grandpa filled his pipe from one of the pouches, the blue pouch he had taken from Vega the bandit. All this time it had lain forgotten in Grandpa's game leg. Without realizing that he had used the robber's tobacco, Grandpa felt for a match. At the same moment, Eartha and Tatters finished their fifth game of scrum, and, closing up the game leg, they buckled it back in place. "'Now tell me about Ragbad,' begged Eartha, leaning against Grandpa's knee. 
This Tatters was only too delighted to do, for the young prince was heartily homesick, and as he could not be in Ragbad, talking about it was the next best thing. So he told little Eartha all about his pigeon and the red smith and Pudge's tower, where you could see clear out into Jinxland, and of the fun he and Grandpa had of the old castle, and of Mrs. So-and-so's garden. The old soldier nodded from time to time, and at last, taking up his pipe, he began to smoke. I say began, for at the third puff a simply astonishing thing happened. Bill vanished instanter, and you know how quick that is. Tatters turned to a great black crow, Eartha to a crow of very colored feathers, and Grandpa himself to an old crow with a game leg. Help! called the old soldier, dropping the pipe from his bill and beginning to hop wildly over the ice. Daisies and dahlias, I can fly, twittered Eartha, circling aloft. Come on, Tatters, and try it. He's a crow, shrieked Grandpa. I'm a crow, you're a crow. What's happened, and where's Bill? Here I am, screamed a frightened voice. But though they stared and stared, they could see nothing at all, for Bill had turned into a cock's crow, which of course can only be heard and not seen. Poor Bill, there's nothing left but his crow, called Grandpa. It's magic, gasped Tatters. It's that pesky wizard, added the old soldier, stamping his game foot and ruffling up all his feathers, for Grandpa did not realize he'd smoked Vegas tobacco. But now there were crows, why not fly? asked Eartha merrily. She did not seem to mind her feathers at all. Let's fly back to Oz. Why, so we can, cried Tatters all the way over the Nonestic Ocean and Sandy Desert, straight to the Emerald City itself. Someone's helping us, Grandpa, finished the Prince of Ragbad, fluttering into the air. Wish they'd mind their own business, croaked Grandpa crossly. Being a crow is no help to me, but come on. We might as well fly while we can. Bill, you lead the way and see that you keep us pointed east and crow every few minutes, will you, so we can hear where you are. All right, agreed the weathercock readily, and they could tell from the flutter of his iron wings that the puzzled bird had gotten under way. Here I go by the name of Bill, he crowed loudly. Invisible, chortled the old soldier, rising into the air. Come on, crows. Tatters quickly followed Grandpa, and after Tatters flew Eartha. Higher and higher and higher, until the iceberg became only a tiny speck bobbing up and down in the blue waters of the Nonestic Ocean. For a time the adventurers flew in silence, each one pondering the strange events that had crowded upon them in the past few hours. Invisibil continued to lead the way, Grandpa, Prince Tatters, and Eartha winging after him. End of Chapter 13